The first reading is taken from Daniel, chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realise that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. The men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from John chapter 19, verses 7 to 12, and can be found on page 1087 of your pew Bibles. The Jews insisted, we have a law... And according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? 
Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. This is the word of the Lord. Diane, Christine, thank you very much. We're continuing in uh, Daniel, and this morning we're looking at um, power. Uh, And if you want to know what power is, ask the front row, uh, and particularly the parents of Luke, uh, because at two o'clock in the morning when Luke opens his lungs, that's what power is. (laughs) It says, come here and come here now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to uh, look again at the book of Daniel. Thank you for how exciting it is. But thank you that it speaks to us today. And so we ask that you would open our minds and our hearts and speak to each one of us uh, this morning. In your name. Amen. You may find it useful to uh, turn to page 884. Daniel chapter 2, the problem of power, or the problem with power. Uh, It's the second in our series in Daniel, and uh, you'll remember the context, hopefully, but we'll we'll repeat it a little bit, because this is prophetic language. This is talking about what is going to happen in the future. And chapter 2 is the first of two dreams that Daniel uh, receives and in, or interprets, uh, the other one being in chapter 7. And they're sort of bookends of the first half of Daniel. Uh, and you'll, you'll see how it deals with the, uh, the coming periods of time. Uh, and chapter 7 closes that, and then it moves into the vision. Daniel and his friends are in exile. They've been taken off to Babylon now, this is it's quite normal. You have a battle. Uh, the, the victorious country often took a lot of the people that they defeated back to their country with them. Uh, and they were uh, expanding the labour force. It was a bit of a brain drain, really. They took all the, the, the wealthy, the wise, uh, and they took them back with them. So it's no surprise to find them with the king, because the king was obviously the most important person. So he gathered all the other important uh, and wealthy individuals around him. It made him more important. It made him uh, more profitable. And the king Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he summons all the wise men, the sorcerers, the astrologers uh, of his own country, that's verse 2, and asks them to explain to him what the dream means. Now the dream is about power. So the king decides to show his own power and he says to them in verse 5, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is, you can tell me that bit as well, then you can interpret it for me. It's completely ridiculous, isn't it? Or is it? Why on earth 
did the king do that? It's a bit like saying, there's loads of ingredients in my kitchen, I want you to make the cake that I'm thinking of. Why? I mean, it is utterly ridiculous. But of course, the wise men, the astrologers, these were people that said to the king and to others, come to us and we will give you the answer. It doesn't matter what the question is, we will have your answer for you. We have power, we have authority, we have the answer to life. So the king is saying, hang on, if I tell you what the dream is, you could say absolutely anything to me and I'd have to believe you. I wouldn't know if it was right or wrong. But if I don't tell you what the dream is, then I would really know if you're speaking the truth. Because not only are you interpreting the dream, you're telling me what it was. That way you've got real insight, real ability, real truth in your words. So the king asked, what was my dream? What does it mean? And of course they can't answer. Verse 13. The outcome of that, they're they're sentenced to death. Sadly, of course, Daniel and his friends are numbered amongst the wise men and therefore they are sentenced to death as well, even though they weren't there, which was a bit disappointing for them. (laughs) So Daniel hears about this situation and says to the executioner, what's all this about? It seems a bit unfair, a bit harsh. Uh, And the executioner tells him, Daniel uh, seeks an audience with the king and says, whoa, hang on, give us a couple of days uh, and and I'm sure it'll be fine, we'll be able to interpret it for you. And he rushes back to his friend and he says, please, please plead to God to give us an answer. We're in a bit of a hole here and we could do with some help. And then the dream itself is in verses 29 and onwards. And the dream explains how the kingdoms will change and it introduces the next four kingdoms of the Persians and the Medes and all the way down to the the Romans. Each one uh, lasts for a period and then is broken. So, again, the dream is about powers, the power that is going to rule the land. So, there we have the sort of background uh, and we have all of these individuals all with their own understanding of power and authority. We have the king who gathers around him the people uh, that he believes uh, can answer the dream for him. The king has that power and authority but he refuses to tell them the dream. That is the power that he holds over them. The interpretation of the dream is about power, the power of the coming kingdoms. But the real interpretation is the source of power and truth. Where does authority really lie? Now, the king believed that was with himself. He was the most important man alive. The astrologers, of course, they thought they knew everything. The people of God, Daniel's colleagues who were in exile, they, of course, believed that their God was the one true God, our God but their temple had been demolished and ransacked. They were living in a foreign land. They were, as a people, completely crushed. Where was their God? Where was their power? Verse 11, 
Uh, If you look at that one, that rightly says that true power and understanding is with the gods. But they don't live with us. And Daniel says the same, verses 27 and 28. He admits to the king, openly and honestly, no man can have such wisdom. Yet God can provide the answer. My God, our God, can provide the answer. So that's all of the background, that's all of the context. This is a real struggle between the individual's concerns. So what on earth does it say to us? Firstly then, just three really quick points. How do we use our power? We all have a position of power and authority. You may not think it, but every day you'll ask someone a question, you'll ask someone to do something for you. You are exerting your influence over somebody else. How do you treat them? How do you expect them to respond to you? And if you're, if you're in work and uh, you employ people full-time, how do you treat them? How do you respect their position working for you? I, um, for those that, that don't know, I, I help run an estate agency and I've got a couple of offices at the moment in the country that are losing money. So, in our board meeting, we, d- we discussed what we should do about it. We have power and authority over those people's lives. I could shut them both. I could make them all redundant. Or perhaps I should train them. Perhaps it's our fault that they're not performing particularly well. What should we do? We are dealing with people's lives and their families And the context of that is that I should do that carefully. We're entrusted with the care of other people and we should not do it lightly. Where does that power come from? Is it mine? No, that's why we had that second reading from John. At the trial of Jesus, he was silent until he's asked by Pilate, do you not realise I have the power to let you go? And Jesus at that point says, no, you don't. God has the power to let me go. He's simply entrusted you with that power for the time being. And that's the same with us. We are entrusted with the power of God. None of us has that power because we deserve it as of right. We're no better than the next person. We may be more fortunate. We may be in a position of responsibility. We may have certain gifts that we can employ, but those gifts to us are the gift from God. And therefore, the power we exert is how we use those gifts that we are given. So the first thing, how do we use our power? And some of these questions will be on the sheets, hopefully you're given as you, uh, as you came in. Secondly then, how do we confront that power? See, the wise men, they tried to front it out, didn't they? They tried to argue with the king. You've got it wrong, king. You need to give us a bit more information and then we'll be able to help you. But the king didn't buy that. Of course, his power, he thought, was vested in himself. The other end of the coin, of course, was Jesus in front of Pilate saying nothing. He didn't have anything to prove. He was power 
He was authority. He did have the last word. And so we have Daniel, the servant of God. And he is is very brave, for one thing, because he does confront the king. He asks for an extension of time. And then when he goes back to the, the, the king, he's very open and he's very honest. He actually says, I can't answer this question for you, but I know a man who can. I phoned a friend. That friend was God. And God has given me the answer. He knew that this had nothing to do with the philosophy of the time. The posturing uh, from those that thought they could give an answer. This wasn't about religion. This was about revelation. The revelation of God speaking to his people at an appropriate time. Daniel didn't fall over before authority. He stood in front of that authority. Just the same as we heard last week. He didn't give in to the the request to to eat meat. He said, no, we eat vegetables. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Because that's really important for us in our relationship with God. So how do we seek to serve God every day, in our work, in the conversation at the school gate, in the doctor's waiting room, wherever you're going to be? How do we seek to share the presence of God? Because times like that don't need religion, they need revelation. They need the power of God entering into our minds and our hearts. So how do we use power? How do we confront power? And how do we then engage with God's power? Verses 17 to 19. Daniel returns to the house and urges his friends to plead to the Lord. Now, answers may not always come immediately. They may not always come to the same person. But let's hear, we we need to note the importance of prayer, both individually and corporately. In order to seek the mind of God, God, uh, Daniel had to ask. I was slightly flippant, but actually Daniel had to pick up the phone, didn't he, to phone a friend. He had to pray in order to get the mind of God. How serious are we? How serious am I about prayer? I've told you before, um, we have a a prayer meeting at at our work and it meets in my office, which is very embarrassing, principally because it has glass walls. Uh, And we meet at a lunchtime and uh, there's only about 400 people on our floor uh, and they all walk past the office and there we are praying behind glass walls, which isn't a great screen. But we want to do it because we want to be different. And when I'm in the... I'm not every day in my office, but when I do, I like to start the day with prayer in my office. That's less embarrassing because I'm there before most other people, so that's okay. But I like to do it because my room, my office, needs to be different from the rest of the the floor. I really pray that the presence of God is in that room. And then when people are in that room with me, or even when I'm not there, 
they sense something different because the presence of God is there. Now, I have a number of, of challenges at work and, and they're, they're usually all about people. Uh, and this week was, was no exception. And I sent out an email because I was doing a bit of a reshuffle of, of people. Uh, and of course, you can't list hundreds of people in your email. And I missed a few people off. C'est la vie. Except that they were rather upset about it because they felt, you know, golly, I haven't been mentioned on this email. I'm probably next online. Oops. Yes. Uh, and I thought, well, that's, that's fine. I've got the authority to do this. I have the power to do this. I've made a reshuffle. You weren't included, so you're not relevant. That is what I could have said. That is, in effect, the truth of the matter. But I was thinking about this passage and I thought, what should I actually do with the authority I have? And I engaged with my God and I believe he said to me, you need to apologise So I picked up the phone to every single person that I'd missed off and I rang them. Uh, They were all from the same department and uh, the next morning they have their morning meeting so I was there for their morning meeting at half past seven and I stood in front of them and I said, I'm really sorry, I missed some of you off. That's my fault and my fault alone. I had the power to ignore it but I thought God wanted to say, I am vulnerable and I apologise to you. It was uncomfortable and unwelcome. But if I really want them on my side, I have to show them that I am no better than them. And I am just as human as them, and we are working together in the same direction. At difficult times, at difficult times, we need the power of God to give us wisdom to see the answer. We need the power of God to give us strength to confront it. And we need the power of God to serve him above all others. So that there is no side to us, there is simply the truth. And we need to pray that at all times we are walking in his path, his way. Perhaps that should be our prayer for Luke as well. That day by day as he grows... As he learns, as he develops, he will walk the path of God. Because it is in the presence of God in his heart that he will have the power to fulfil all that his life can offer him. How are we this week going to respond to the power of God in our lives? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not alone, that in all that we face day by day, we have the presence of God in our hearts and in our lives. And so, Father, at those difficult times, we pray that we may remember your presence with us. We may seek your presence for us and that we may then walk your path to which you've called us in the power, in the strength and in the knowledge that your presence is with us day by day. In your name we thank you and pray. Amen.